On the Gravity Dial podcast this week, I am pleased to be joined by Chauncey. He's one of the founders of Angel Protocol. Now, a lot of you who are familiar with Angel Protocol or might not be familiar with Angel Protocol, they are a Web3 charity endowment group. Um, they were primarily on the original Terra network, but we're going to speak about how they've adapted and changed since that has happened. Uh, some of their new plans, because I know they are launching Angel 2.0 very soon, which is a very exciting uh, feature. But before we get into that, Chauncey, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, thanks so much for having me, Rick. Good to be here. Oh, it's always great to have a conversation with you about Web3 decentralization and uh, I'm looking forward to this one. So before we just get into the nitty gritty of the call and getting down to the details, do you mind just providing a b- brief background yourself and then the story behind Angel Protocol? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, I came originally from a program management background with General Electric, um, came up through, uh, through GE for a while, leading different global teams around the world. Um, and then really had enough of the sort of corporate lifestyle and wanted greater purpose in my life. Uh, started getting interested in DeFi and then Web3, uh, seeing all the transformative potential it had. Um, and I was really impressed by all the ability that it promised to help alleviate some of the you know, inequality and, and opportunity issues that we see in the world. Um, and so from that, you know, I started, you know, evangelizing to my friends and family, everything that DeFi and Web3 could do. Uh, and eventually it was just like, hey, you know, if this is something I'm this passionate about, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to do something more in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had the idea of, uh, of just taking some of the DeFi yields that are out there, um, setting up endowments on chain that would provide financial sustainability for charities so that they could accept crypto donations anywhere in the world, but not only accept those donations, actually have those donations put to work for them, earning yield. Uh, And in this way, right, you develop a principle, you protect that principle, you take the yield from it, compound part of it back into the principle, send the rest of the charities to spend. Um, They now have this new generative giving engine that gives them financial sustainability Mm -hmm. without the need to constantly source new donors. And if you mind just quickly going into it, so breaking down the current world of charity and charity endowments, most charities don't have endowments. It's only preserved for those who are maybe the, the larger and the, the point the 0.1% of charities, and there's a massive gap there. So you mind breaking down some of the structural issues with uh, the current charity systems and then how Angel is helping give access to um, endowments to a lot of these groups as well? Yeah. So um, for j- just before I get too deep into that, I just mm-hmm. want to speak to the experience of the team a little bit because it's been very constructive in terms of helping us understand these issues. Um, so when Angel came together, it was really just started as an idea, tweeted out to the universe. Uh, the community really resonated around it, suggested uh, the idea be entered in a hackathon. Um, and that's where Angel became a true decentralized Web3 birth where uh, the entire core team joined from all over the world. Uh, none of us knew each other prior to the hackathon. Mm. Um, and people came from all different types of walks of life. So we had people from more of like crypto, VC, finance type backgrounds. Uh, but then we also had people like um, like Duffy KCMD, who founded Global Brigades over 20 years ago and grew that into a multinational charity organization. So like he knew a lot of what worked and what didn't. Uh, and we've had really valuable other members of the team join, like Sean Robinson. Um, he's done fellowships on impact investing, volunteering over in Calcutta, seeing a lot of the uh, sort of impact investment side of things. 
Um, and, you know, I could speak to a lot of members of the team, but I feel like that's what really makes Angel special mm. is we have all of these experts from their various fields that didn't necessarily come from the crypto world, uh, but have firsthand experience with a lot of issues and challenges in those spaces. Uh, and to answer your question, right, that's where you get into some of the structural issues where um, you see that most charities don't have operating reserves beyond three months. Mm. Uh, they're constantly in this fundraising trap. Um, there's this systemic issue, too, of how people treat charities or expect them to act, uh, where on one hand, you say charities shouldn't operate like a business. They shouldn't have overhead. You know, the money should just go directly to those in need. Um, so any kind of like overhead or business type activity is looked at as a bad thing. On the other hand, you have people criticize charities for not being effective, efficient businesses. Uh, and that's because we don't allow them to run like businesses. Mm. Um, and so they're constantly in this trap of their, they need to fundraise from new donors just to keep their operations going. Uh, and that puts them in the scarcity mindset, right? They can't, they're not free to focus on their everyday missions because they have to constantly pour resources, time, effort into getting new donations. So by freeing them from those shackles, it allows them to open up an abundance mindset where they don't have to worry about constantly fundraising. They don't have to worry about what happens when the economy takes a downturn and people stop donating. Because uh, that's another issue of the space is just infrequency of donations, right? You'll mm -hmm. get a huge uh, push like at end of year and holiday periods, you'll get dry periods. Uh, and it's very correlated with the economy in terms of if things are going well, people have more loose money, they're more liable to donate. Uh, when things aren't going so well, people really go into conservation mode and their first thought isn't donating to charities or organizations. Mm -hmm. So this provides a more sustainable means for them to break out of that effectively poverty cycle. Mm -hmm. You know, first off, I love the just diversity of your team's background. I think that's one of the very important aspects that you've highlighted there. And then bringing that into what we're seeing with some of the current structural issues with um, charities and endowments. I mean, as you mentioned, there's only they, they only have three months of operating costs looking outwards. And then you have to rely on all these external factors and the broader macroeconomic global uh, lens, which is, you know, unreliable as we are currently f figuring out and finding out. And so giving them that option to actually have some sort of perpetuity and constant income stream is really important. And yeah, I recommend to anyone who is looking into nonprofits or interested in this world, definitely just check out kind of disparities going on there. I think there's a lot people can learn from it and also just get a better understanding of where your money goes when you donate, um, some of the incentives behind you know, taking out, taking out uh, tax purposes and all of that good stuff. Uh, moving forward here a little bit, could you walk listeners through the evolution of Angel Protocol? What was the inspiration behind some of this? Uh, what was the original process? Because you started on Terra. We're moving over to a new new era for Angel, but let's just get the whole story here uh, and some of the, the trials and tribulations that you've been through, because I know it is quite a saga. Yeah, 100%. So um, it's... It's very much, uh, I, would, I would refer back to the hero's journey by Joseph Campbell. You know, you have the, like, the beginning of the journey um, and, you know, everything's exciting and it's like, oh, yeah, new adventure. And then, like, you enter this period where, like, you go through trials and tribulations and you're challenged. Um, and the terror crash was exactly that for us, right? Um, it was the hero's journey moment for the whole Angel Protocol team and community. 
Uh, and, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, right? You know, our, our runway was devastated. Mm. Uh, a lot of charity funds and endowments were, were lost. Uh, now, that has forced us to look at our product, look at where we want to build, take lessons learned around diversification and, and how we want to set up. Um, and honestly, I think that it's actually made us stronger and focused us more. Uh, and I'm honestly more excited now than I ever have been in terms of the direction of Angel Protocol. Um, and we've stuck with it. You know what I mean? Like when those charity endowment funds were wiped out, you know, we had different options of how to proceed there. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, we were able to get a lot of that restored either through donations or airdrops or different fundraising we've done. Uh, so at this point, out of the charity endowments, um, 100 percent of the charity's liquid balances have been restored, which means the amount that they have accessible to them. Um, and 97 percent of all ba balances for all charities have been restored. Wow. So out of 97 percent of all charities fully, fully restored. Um, there's a like long tail or like there's like the three percent are the very largest charities on the platform. So mm -hmm. we still have a ways to go to like fully make them whole. Uh, but honestly, the charity partners have been so supportive of us throughout this whole process. Uh, when the crash happened, before we knew we were going to be able to restore funds, they were still supportive and saying, hey, you're on the right path. You're doing the right mission. We're mm -hmm. going to stick with you. Um, since, we, since that period, we've had another 10 charities sign up based on referrals without us even actively trying to go out and recruit charities because we're still mm -hmm. in the process of relaunching our protocol. Uh, but it's just a great affirmation that we have really solid product market fit, that there is a need for what Angel Protocol is creating in the impact world. Yeah, that's amazing. You guys have recruited so far without even having the new platform up already that you're just constantly building. It's the word of mouth there. If you mind me asking, how did the so just take me to that week, that faithful couple of weeks there. And I know it's not fun and we it was a pretty dark time for the lunatics and a lot of people involved with Terra and a lot of people who believe in decentralized money. What was it like, you as a project leader? How did you communicate to not only the charities, but the community, the broader Terra world? What were some of the largest takeaways you had from there, maybe as a project leader, some leadership lessons? And then I guess also just organizing a team. What was it like to tell your team, okay, it's time to switch to a new gear and bring this to a new direction? Uh, well, it's been character building, to say the least. Mm. Um, I mean, it really tests your resilience, uh, but it's those kinds of things. Like, So just to kind of veer off philosophically a little bit here, um, I'm a big believer in embracing discomfort and leaning into challenges. Um, and I think most times when something like bad happens in life or something challenges you in that way, uh, it's a growth opportunity, right? And it's something you can reframe your perspective from, oh, woe is me, this happened to, wow, how lucky I am to have lived through this that's made me a stronger person, that's taught me these lessons, that's given me the wisdom to carry on. Mm -hmm. uh, so from that perspective, I, I mean, I'm very grateful for the experience. I think it's made uh, the whole team stronger, myself stronger, Angel Protocol as a whole stronger. Um, the key with charities was over communication, right? We were very upfront with them as the crash was happening, you know, in the immediate aftermath, keeping them updated with what we were doing, how we were trying to raise funds, what the status of that was. Um, so I think that over communication can't be understated. Uh, from an angel protocol team perspective, it's been 
um, just really mind blowing, Rick. Uh, the, the we've had to cut back. Uh, you know, we've had to cut salaries. We've had to cut positions. Uh, we just have to operate in a leaner mode um, and just you know work through the bear market. Make sure we have all the runway we need to get through this and beyond. Uh, and so that's the good news, right? We have enough to carry on, fight another day, you know, we, we move on. Um, from the team perspective, I've been just overwhelmed by how dedicated and passionate people are, right? Uh, like we have a team, you know, the amount of paid people on the team is a fraction of the amount of people who just volunteer and want to help out and stay involved in the mission. Uh, and when I say we had to cut positions, I mean, yes, you know, a handful of people like left and had to take other jobs and carry on that way. More people just stayed. Um, mm -hmm. They just they keep while uh, working, continuing on. We've had more people join the team. Uh, so like Amanda Kaya has been one of the great additions. She joined and has been leading Angel Alliance outreach, doing a ton of work there, keeping the momentum going. Uh, Nina, um, some may know her as Citrus Mimosa from Twitter. Uh, she's actually running the Angel Twitter account along with um, uh, Tim Strupp, our, our marketing leader and, and charity onboarding leader. Um, but they're all doing it for the love. Uh, they're doing mm -hmm. it for, for passion, for the purpose of what we're building. Um, and that's where the importance of intrinsic motivation can't be understated. Uh, like I love the example of Wikipedia like, how did Wikipedia survive and thrive without, like, the funding of Britannica and Encarta and all of these established sort of centralized organizations? Uh, and it's because they gave, like, they tapped into intrinsic motivation. They gave mm -hmm. pe people purpose, a sense of autonomy, and a sense of mastery. And that is where true human fulfillment lies. So, um, like, that has been one of the greatest engines for Angel throughout our history. That's fantastic to hear. And it truly is one of those big test moments, I think, for many protocols and many projects that were built on Terra that now need to say, okay, this is our, this is the true test moment. This is the big survival moment. If you can come out of this, you're going to come out of it naturally stronger. If you, if you can't throw anything more catastrophic at a project than what happened in May. I don't think, I mean, that was one of the largest events in crypto history. Uh, and it will, I mean, everyone will always remember it on the equivalence of things like the Mt. Gox hack. I mean, it was an entire paradigm shift when one of the largest crypto market cap tokens uh, just overnight, it's going to zero. And people, I mean, I remember just sitting there in disbelief as many was, many of us were just in disbelief and shock, just like, all right, well, <laughs> this is happening. Um, it's, it's really, it was tough mentally to wrap my head around. And then just going forward from that, though, and then having to go through, okay, this is happening. The crypto bear market winter is here. Bad things, quote unquote, bad things are going to be going on. But there's also a ton of opportunity that spurs from these moments. Uh, and it's the idea of creative destruction and that, okay, the, the weaker things might go away, but people will build back stronger. And as a whole, the entire industry hopefully will, will come out of this as a stronger and more mature place where we know what projects will have value, how to generate value, and where the, the best the best ways and uh, strategies lie to obtain kind of your maximum goal. Um, it's great to see Angel Protocol rebuilding, though. I love the spirit that you guys are putting up in the fight that you're not giving up. And once again, I, I 97%, you said, of all the funds have been restored, which is really mind-blowing and, and just um, fantastic and amazing to hear. I, I, I can't state that enough. Um, I do want to go speak about decentralization a little bit because obviously with Gravidao, we're all about governance. We like to speak about governance, how this works and how it's impacting 
how decentralized governance is impacting various sectors around the world. And so before we get into that, actually, just in your opinion, what does decentralization mean to you? And then we're going to use that as this base case to then apply that to uh, Angel Protocol's decentralized governance models. So decentralized is one of those dangerous words in the sense that it means so many things to so many people that it ultimately creates a lot of confusion and disagreement mm -hmm. uh, where people are often talking past each other uh, just because they're, they're working off of different definitions or priorities, I should say. So uh, decentralization. Um, I think that decentralization is extremely valuable in the sense that it ties into this ownership economy and actually having, you know, some control and say of what you are involved in. Uh, I think that the dream of decentralization and the reality of it are very, very different right now. Uh, and I think that it's not a black and white, uh, like on off kind of toggle. It is necessarily a spectrum. Um, and the goal is not necessarily to get to one complete end of that spectrum, right? Um, if you go back to, you know, going to ancient wisdom here, but like if you look back on Plato's Republic, right, he mm -hmm. breaks down different types of government and, you know, what are the, the more or less effective ones. And in orders of like worst governments, there's like pure anarchy followed very, very closely by pure democracy. Mm -hmm. um, and with decentralization, like insofar as it relates to governance, uh, there's a lot of potential issues you run into, right? Um, like a pure democratization is problematic in multiple ways, you know, tyranny of the masses, you don't always have the most informed people voting on the things they should be voting on, which ultimately leads to this voter apathy issue. Mm -hmm. um, also, you have this other kind of related issue of uh, money-based systems where it's effectively an oligarchy, right? It's uh, the, the more money you have, the larger a vote you have. And you really need to fit the governance and decentralization of your protocol into your specific protocol purpose, right? Something that is a, you know, a purely financial like AMM DEX might have a very different governance need and setup and maybe token-based uh, voting makes sense in those contexts. Mm -hmm. For Angel, we're trying to take a very intentional approach to how we, how we handle decentralization, how we handle governance. Um, and I'd, I'd be lying if I sat here and said, you know, we have it all figured out, Rick. You know, this is going to be the, the next answer that everyone is going to take the blueprint from. Um, like, no. And anyone who's, who's telling me that is, uh, you know, someone that you might want to ask certain questions <laughs> about. But um, I, I think for Angel, right, we're trying to take best practice from history as well as what's developing in this space. Mm -hmm. So the really cool thing about decentralization is it allows for everyone to run these governance experiments all over the world, all at the same time, iterating, learning from each other much, much more rapidly than you do in terms of like actual nation states. Mm -hmm. That being said, I think too many people will look at either one or the other. So they'll look at the space of Web3, what's happening here, what experiments are working or failing here. 
Um, whereas other people will look back on a more historical basis and say, what has worked over human history? Um, what of these things of human coordination failures and problems are, you know, not unique to this moment, but actually things that we've been working on and building up wisdom and knowledge of throughout human history. Mm. And I don't think we learn enough from history in that regard. Uh, so I'm constantly putting myself in the in the feet of like, you know, if I were at the Constitutional Convention, you know, like what what are the considerations? What's worked? What hasn't? Uh, what worked about the U.S. experiment? What hasn't? You know, what's going on in other parts of the world? How have they adapted? Um, so, you know, some clear takeaways, representative democracy is one of the best models that's available to us. Mm -hmm. So that's one element, right? Like uh, halo token holders will vote to elect actual boards that will be responsible for different facets of the protocol health. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, the whole token based weighting thing is another big issue. And there's multiple ways to address that. So um, we've got some thoughts there in terms of uh, uh, venomic like vote escrow type models that will help with this a bit and reward loyalty over pure just like you know financial size mm. and also tying in reputational elements and this is where i think things get really interesting in this space right now with this like concept of soul bound tokens and on-chain reputation and it's very early very siloed very ineffective right now but i do think it is a huge wave of the future of being able to accrue reputation, have that carry with you composably from different protocols and blockchains that you're going through. Um, so we're trying to tie in reputation scoring into our overall governance and voting mechanisms. Hmm. I'm going to have to follow up with that one. But before we get into that, just thinking, if anyone has decentralized governance figured out, please let me know. <laughs> Feel free to contact me. We can discuss it. We can talk all day. Um, but no, no one, if you do claim to have it figured out, I'm going to be very skeptical and... Uh, just, just a, a little healthy dose of skepticism. Uh, just, just a little healthy dose. Yeah, we'll put it like that. Um, no, but you, you're correct, though. The, there's definitely a form where we need to continue figuring out and messing around and experimenting and breaking things and innovating things when it comes to decentralized governance. And we're seeing with some of the earlier forms of DAOs right now and how some of their systems have been struggling in terms of uh, they are total anarchy uh, and they're starting to f you know, feel the effects of what it means when you have one token equals one vote and how there's a financial incentive tied to that and how people can then buy off votes. I'm not a huge fan of the whole cartels going, the whole cartel rings going on. I think that's inevitably going to lead to some very poor outcomes, I guess is the best way to put it in terms of integrity of a decentralized system um and and just bribing people usually <laughs> it usually isn't the best way in form going forward i mean you're going to create some sort of corruption mechanism as a result um i am curious to learn more now about this whole representative system you're going to do with angel protocol because i i have not had a chance to read up on this bit um so token holders will be able to vote in their representatives they'll be overseeing certain boards how is that going to work um, maybe how do you keep them accountable? What's the process of elections? Are people being signed up for one year? Because I, I think we are advancing towards this now representative system, a representative democracy for a lot of DAOs and, and decentralized communities because we are realizing, you know, hey, having a piece of code is great in the center, but sometimes you need someone else to help focus in these certain areas and maybe take a little bit more of the ownership of, of certain tasks. I mean, you don't want people who are doing graphic arts necessarily overseeing investment decisions. I mean, there might be some overlap there and, and you might be a great artist and a great finan financier, but uh, maybe not everyone wants to be focusing in those two areas. So 
what's the plan there? How are you going to spread things out? How are you going to make sure it's representative? Maybe some of the thought process around that. Yeah. So uh, part of it is going to be reputation tracking based on on-chain activities. Um, you know, like donations you make, uh, governance participation. Um, if you're setting up your own fundraisers or uh, we call them angel impact funds, but mm -hmm. what, that's something I want to talk on a little more after this. But from the governance, I mean, there's two elements, right? When you have Web3, it introduces this idea of a token economy. Uh, that token economy can be very, very powerful. And I think that it is still something that we use very much like a blunt instrument at times. Um, but the incentive alignment capability, the, the providing ownership capability is very powerful. So um, a couple things. Uh, one for us, uh, limiting certain decisions or grouping certain types of decision processes into these uh, elected councils. Uh, and this follows some best practice from synthetics, uh, I think is one of the better DAOs that has mm. achieved like decentralization through different types of distinct committees. Uh, because you have the element of like the DAO and how the governance works and how the decisions are decided. But then you have also this concept of different functions are better at different things, right? Like the people deciding protocol parameters may not be the right people to decide marketing spend decisions, may not be the right people to do due diligence on charities and different organizations on the platform. So um, specializing in creating these different groups, uh, having elections be a relatively easy thing, uh, leveraging some of the types of voting mechanisms that have come into place, like uh, consensus voting, where you the the like voting is actually only required to stop a decision effectively, mm. um, and there's just like little streamlining that you can do. And I feel like it's that 1% improvement kind of philosophy of like, you can take this improvement here, like rather than everyone vote for everything, you break it up into committees. Uh, this improvement here, rather than everyone have to vote to pass something, you make it so people just have to vote to not pass something that they want. And like, there's all of these different elements you can combine together that ultimately make the governance much more cohesive. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the more you can take best practice from you know, I hate to say it, but actual corporate structures, uh, government structures, like these legacy institutions, we can improve on them while learning from what they got right, mm -hmm. right? Um, and so that's where balance of powers comes into play, like having these committees have some veto power over each other, make sure power doesn't get too concentrated in the hands of one thing. Um, and there's also a really interesting concept, I think, that NounsDAO has explored. And, and we haven't fleshed this out yet, but it's something we're looking at, which is this idea of dilutive governance, where if you want to control, I, you know, we probably don't want to get too much into like NounsDAO and how it works for people who aren't familiar. But uh, short, short version, um, the governance power is constantly expanding to more and more users. Hmm. So it gets exponentially more difficult to kind of like uh, overpower the system, so to speak. So over time, as it grows, it actually gets more and more decentralized and um, you know protected from bad actors, which is an interesting thing. Yeah, there's a lot to break down there. Um, but what when you mention the idea that traditional institutions or corporations 
have some good ideas that we can improve off. I think that's an important point. Because I think a lot of people hear, oh, the old corporate governance structure or whatever, or governments and all that, we can't take inspiration from them. Well, we absolutely can take inspiration from them because they've been doing this kind of stuff for decades, centuries uh, in in terms of nation states. So there's definitely a lot to learn historically there. And I I think you made this point earlier that history is a great guide, I think, for the entire Web3 space, especially considering we are just a tiny, tiny blip on the radar of uh, history in general. I mean, we are we are 10 years of, of Bitcoin and six years of DAOs. Um, compare that to centuries of history in terms of nation building and, and building um, mercantilism systems and then, you know, capitalist systems and then governance systems and corporations and all of that. Uh, and all of that is still pretty novel, just thinking about the Industrial Revolution. So definitely a lot of inspiration we can take from there. Um, and then, yeah, very interesting how you're electing officials. I'm curious, how do you incentivize people to um, to take part in being a representative? Because I know there is a charity aspect of this as well. So it is, you're essentially volunteering to be a part of the system. But, um, you know, some people also, is there is there any kind of incentive system behind this as well in terms of the whole um, reputational tokens you mentioned or monetary incentive? I'm curious to know what, what your thoughts are there. Yeah, so I mean, part of that will evolve over time uh, as part of the decentralized governance, where one of the parameters to vote on will be budgets related to some of these positions. Mm-hmm. And this is similar to what you see in other like more established DAOs, where there are you know salaried people on staff, but those salaries are determined by on-chain vote. Mm. Um, so that's one aspect, but I think that we can start before salaries of the people who are just, again, intrinsically motivated to be involved in it. Um, and there's other types of rewards than financial, right? And that's where reputation rewards can come into play. Uh, if there's a well-developed reputation system and you earn reputation by participating here, and then that benefits you uh, both within the Angel Protocol ecosystem as well as other ecosystems, Um, And just a quick note on this, right? You mentioned composability before. Um, We're partnering with a few different protocols and, you know, this is going to expand as time goes on. But uh, there's one called Firefly that does uh, tokenized volunteer hours Mm. on chain. So we can like pull in data from like their volunteers uh, and give those volunteers reputation points on Angel. Um, Or alternatively, we have like a partnership with Proof of Good DAO. Uh, their whole thing is getting different oracles to feed good on-chain activity to proof of good DAO. That earns people proof of good points on that platform, which they can then spend on different NFTs related to showcasing their positive impact in the space. So by tar- starting to tie into other protocols, having this reputation be something that is already to a limited degree composable and gives you benefits in areas outside of Angel or that you can even earn from within outside Angel. Mm. Um, it makes it exponentially more powerful the more layers of composability you add on there. So simply rewarding someone with reputation can indeed be enough of a lever to get good represent- representatives. Uh, and honestly, in the path of decentralization, in the first iteration, that will probably be largely members of the Angel Protocol team who then get voted out for other people mm-hmm. in the community as decentralization takes full public. I love the creativity of some of these protocols spurring up too, just to help in terms, I mean, tracking volunteer hours on chain. That's just, who would have thunk? But it just, I mean, people need it. That That's a legitimate use case. And I, I can think of, of several ways in which people can take advantage of that in real life and then use that going forward to help benefit them and help benefit charities around the world. Um, 
it, it really is fantastic just to see how much creativity there is in the space and, and different ways in which people really want to experiment and really bring just these new ideas and innovations around there. I also I want to now transition a little bit more into Angel 2.0, but I also want to speak about the Angel Alliance, Chauncey. So I, I'm going to give you the, what do you think would be better to come first here? I also want to speak about the Angel Token. So we got a lot of topics I want to juggle right now. And I don't, I honestly, I'm looking at my notes and I want to make sure that we can get to all of these and give them the, the fair, um, <laughs> the fair time that they deserve. So where do you want to begin with tackling some of that? Uh, to be fully transparent, Rick, this is the single biggest challenge I face myself. Um, <laughs> Because it all interrelates and it's one of impact and like, you know, I can speak to each individual piece, but they all relate to each other. Um, let's start with the Angel Alliance, though, because Sounds good. I think this is a really interesting angle here. So the Angel Alliance has effectively evolved into a form of corporate social responsibility for the blockchain. Um, so most, not, I, I don't know if most is fair, but a lot of legacy businesses, traditional businesses will have some element of CSR, corporate mm -hmm. social responsibility, ways they give back to either their local community or, you know, global communities in different ways. And it's important because it speaks to a very large shift in demand, um, from the consumer and investor side of things where people need impact in their lives, right? They want to buy products that are doing something good for the world. They want to use services that kick back to the world in different ways. They want to put their money to work in ways that not only earn them revenue and profit, but also are create positive externalities in the world. Uh, and you can look at a number of data points, uh, like, millennials and Gen Z, uh, or even just cross-generational. Um, but, you know, consistently the, the momentum and sentiment is shifting uh, from this pure profit model to, uh, you know, profit, people, planet. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how do, you, how do you take care of things more holistically in that way? So the thing is, there's no real existing solution for CSR on the blockchain. Uh, even though many DAOs are effectively, you know, web three businesses, um, they don't have the same structures or means to, uh, you know, use their tokens to benefit society or, or, or uh, have that avenue available. Mm -hmm. So the Angel Alliance is actually a federation of over 120 different NFT projects, protocols, validators, uh, other businesses that have taken a giving pledge to commit a portion of their revenue to Angel Protocol. Um, this takes uh, many different forms. So you have a group like Apollo Dow, who really got the whole Angel Alliance concept rolling. Uh, they pledge 1% of their revenue. So mm -hmm. their actual business activities, they just take 1% of that revenue, send it to the Angel Alliance. Um, you have NFT projects that do similar things uh, with their mint fees, with their royalty fees. Um, the, the Bull Club and Baby Bull collections were have like some of our biggest partners there, uh, Galactic Punks have been absolutely huge for us, uh, and some more NFT projects than I could possibly name here. It's actually been one of our biggest ways to drive funding to charity and impact organizations. Hmm. Uh, and then you have groups like Loop, uh, who really kick-started what we call our Locked for Good program. Um, so Loop made the big commitment to take 10% of their total token supply uh, and dedicate that to social impact. So they take their tokens, they harvest them for yield, and that yield gets sent to Angel Protocol charities. Hmm. This inspired us to actually set that up as a service for any protocols that want to generate impact with their native token, 
but face this incentive alignment issue, right? So if I'm sitting on a, a treasury largely denominated my own protocols token, and I donate a chunk of that over to charity, and that gets market sold to, yeah. get, to be given to charity, it's bad for the community, it's bad for the token price. Yeah. Uh, and with decentralized governance, you're not gonna get people to vote to do that, right? It's just bad incentive alignment. Um, so with the Angel Alliance and the Locked for Good program, what we do is we commit to taking these native token donations uh, protecting the principle. So the donated to tokens never get sold. Mm -hmm. uh, they only increase over time because what we do is we either stake them for governance yield uh, or we LP them for yield. And then similar to what I described with the endowments, we take a portion of that yield, use it to compound the principle. So the principle grows over time, take the rest of that yield and it gets donated to charities and impact organizations. Yeah, that's genius. And that's great because, as you mentioned, there's a huge incentive misalignment there where if people are donating all their protocol tokens and then they get market sold, you're just going to be diluting investors' shares. Um, it wouldn't be, it's not a great, not a great matchup there. But also just the entire ethos of the Angel Alliance, I think, is fantastic that you're bringing on all these projects that do want to get involved in charities and people who do want to get involved in some sort of social responsibility, but there's no obvious solution web three i mean there were some alternatives but they weren't i mean it's difficult with some of the alternatives out there because they're, they're more re, more more so catering towards people who want to donate to causes using crypto but not necessarily in the more crypto native environment so i think that you guys are providing very important infrastructure and that aspect and also just watching all these projects from the angel alliance uh, who are primarily in terra now moving over onto new avenues and, and figuring out whether they're going to the new terra chain or going to cosmos chains or um, moving over to Polygon, wherever they've gone, um, it is great seeing that everyone is uh, still staying involved and still wanting to make sure they're committed towards these um, charitable missions. I do want to ask you as well, mentioning of this transition and moving over to a new chain, what is the current plan for the Angel token? So I know you were built, it was built on the original Terra blockchain. Um, are you now on going, are you now going to be going to Terra 2? Are you going to be chain agnostic? How are you going to figure this plan out here? Uh, so we'll ultimately be chain agnostic. Uh, we mm -hmm. very much envision a multi-chain future. Um, one thing for Angel, right? So we used to rely on Anchor as one of our primary yield sources. Mm -hmm. uh, the roadmap has always planned to tap into additional yield sources. So we were excited for some of the other stuff that was launching there. Um, but we're just leaning into that now. And the key is diversification, right? Um, you have different types of yield opportunities on different chains with different levels of risk. Uh, and so to, to offer um, our customers, so charities, impact organizations, uh, the best yields possible, uh, we actually need to tap into, you know, pure stablecoin pools in various ecosystems for sort of like a baseline type of yield. Uh, we need to tap into structured products that help mitigate risk through like call and put selling options and try and do like more of a delta neutral strategy that generates yield. And then we'll also have the more volatile types of investment opportunities like either simply holding, uh, hold ETH, Bitcoin, whatever you right. want, we'll appreciate the growth in that, uh, or LP it, because uh, you can get much better LP rewards if you are using at least half of a more volatile asset. So um, a number of options there. When a charity goes to create their protocol or create their endowment, we'll have a sort of default mix selected for them. They can always tinker under the hood if they are comfortable and like the more advanced side of things. We want to make sure the user experience is really seamless and easy for them. 
Mm-hmm. Um, on the other side of it, if you are a uh, entrepreneur, um, you know, you're setting up your own social enterprise or venture, whether that is a charity, a nonprofit, a for-profit entity, um, you can create those and uh, you have much more optionality in terms of how you manage the funds that you're raising. So that speaks a little more to Angel 2.0 mm-hmm. and what we're getting into there. So uh, it might be, might be a decent segue. Yeah, no, please, please keep going with Angel 2.0. I, just, I would love to learn how you're improving off of the original Angel 1.0, we can call it, or Angel Classic, <laughs> another way we can put it. Uh, how are you moving from the more traditional... The old way, I guess, is the best way to put it. I don't know. Whatever you want to, whatever term you want to use with that, Chauncey. Um, it's not my decision, but <laughs> <laughs> the 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 original Angel protocol, and now moving that into the newer form, the Angel 2.0. What are the big differences? I know there's a U. I mean, you're even looking to things like UBI, which I think is fascinating. So, do you mind just walking listeners through what's the whole plan there? What options are you looking to expand with? I know you went over a little bit right there, but just give us the rundown on how you're improving off of the old model. Yeah, so uh, we really have a belief that impact is impact is impact. Um, And definitions of nonprofit versus for-profit are largely descriptors um, and sort of, you know, traditional kinds of mindsets that don't really affect how impactful an organization is, right? Um, You can have horribly inefficient, ineffective nonprofits that don't generate a lot of impact, Uh, You can have completely for-profit companies that create amazing impact. Mm. Uh, And so within this, right, we want to try and ditch these old silos of nonprofit, for-profit, you are different worlds, never the two shall meet. For us, impact is impact. Um, So Angel 2.0 is actually going to be one shared marketplace. Um, You can filter for charities and specifically find charities to donate to and get tax receipts. Uh, You can also uh, filter for impact organizations. So these are different social ventures. Um, It could be, you know, a program setting up UBI somewhere and uh, it's set up in a self-sustaining way. So it does generate profit. There is some some element of there. Um, But then from a contributor perspective, if I come to Angel Protocol, I have the option, right? I can just donate to a cause in need and help affect, like solve some of these issues in society that aren't being addressed elsewhere. Um, Or I can invest in these different impact organizations and help affect meaningful change in the world while also earning a return on my money. Mm -hmm. Um, And for us, right, there's no need to break these up into separate marketplaces. Our underlying technology is the same, right? Uh, A charity endowment is effectively a preset configuration of what we call angel impact funds. Angel impact funds are just a means of coordinating, fundraising. Um, You can create your own impact fund, which means um, you can create your own organization. uh, You can create your own token or use Halo as a token if you want to have a token at all. Um, You don't have to have a token. Uh, but you can create your own fundraising page. You can source contributions from all over the world. You can manage those through our different treasury investment options. Wow. And it's effectively just smart investment programmable funds that mm-hmm. anyone can use. Um, and for us, really, like this is a direction we've always wanted to go. Uh, but for Angel, it's been this sort of, what's the right way to frame this? Uh, from a product and pitch perspective, right? Uh, we're effectively a marketplace in many ways. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of schools of thought on how marketplaces should go to market. 
Um, you know, do you emphasize the supply side or the demand side first? Uh, this like kind of like cold start chicken and egg problem. Um, do you, you know, target a very specific subsegment of consumers? Do you try and like tackle the whole pie? Uh, and there's, you know, success and failure stories on both sides of that. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what you see is that a lot of successful marketplaces start by, by creating a niche and really focusing hard on that niche and then expanding from there. So in that vein, when we first conceived of Angel Protocol over a year ago, there was this concept of endowments for everything. Um, you can set up an endowment for your nephew or niece. You can do personal private trusts. You can do X, Y, Z. You can use it for retirement planning. You can use it for this, you know, Kickstarter GoFundMe purposes. You get an endowment and you get an endowment. <laughs> exactly. You get an endowment. You get an endowment. Yes. Yes. Um, and that, from a technical capability perspective, is still very much true. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, early on, we were like, you know, we're trying to do too much all at once. Let's really limit the focus here and just focus purely on charity. Set up our charity marketplace, prove the technology works with charities first. Uh, and we were able to do that, right? We had traction, we had product market fit, we onboarded over 160 charities, raised over $6 million, like something's working here, right? So now at this point, we're at a stage where we can think about the next evolution of that. And again, we had a very similar conundrum, right? We're like, okay, so we're going to do these angel impact funds. Do we have it where someone can set up a charity or like a social impact org or their own XYZ for whatever kind of thing? Mm -hmm. And uh, again, technically, yes, they can. Um, from a go-to-market product strategy um, priority perspective, we're keeping it impact focused. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why we're not expanding into every XYZ thing. It's let's stay in the impact zone uh, and just expand that definition from pure nonprofits to impact oriented for profits. Mm -hmm. uh, and that to us is a natural kind of transition that builds on the strength we've already established without spreading ourselves so thin that we try and become everything to everyone. That's fantastic. And one of the things too is that you guys are offering this basically as a no code solution so people can launch their own tokens they can create their yield generating endowments they don't really need to ever worry too much about the broader DeFi, crypto web3 world in terms of having to go out and getting i mean because you all you also are providing solutions for custody and all of that as well correct yeah yeah so, mm -hmm. so so we tech we ourselves are not custodians right. of funds but yes we offer so two things one um, every organization that sets up an angel impact fund, whether they're a charity or otherwise, the default is multi-sig. Mm -hmm. So they will have multi-sig security in whatever they set up. Um, in terms of you know collecting funds, investing funds, that is donors and contributors into that organization they've established. It's their funds the whole time. So we're helping facilitate that, but we're not actually holding the funds on behalf of the charities or impact orgs or the, the donors, contributors. For right. That. Um, so in that sense, we're non-custodial. That being said, uh, we will have an opt-in option for charities that do want that centralized management type of level so that it can be, you know, a fully, uh, you know, hands-off process for them. They don't want to worry about multi-sig or OPSEC related to that. They want it handled via, you know, just for sake of discussion, mm -hmm. someone like Gemini. Um, that is an option that will be available to them mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, and then just going off my point there, it's it's, it's that the fact that you guys are providing the easy ways of getting involved with these things and you're helping them through these processes, which, I mean, the number one issue for a lot of 
institutions, for example, is custody and trying to figure out custody. And it's just there's really not many solutions out there in the market right now trying to walk people through this. And I couldn't even imagine in the case of a charity saying, okay, I'm not Web3 native. I want to learn about this. I'm interested in it. I believe in it. How do I get there? And I think the answer that you're providing is the, the very important solution through Angel Protocol. And I, I think that is fantastic. And I really look forward to seeing the social impact and just the broader charity impact, how you're disrupting certain industries and some of the ways of uh, old ways of doing things. Um, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how all this evolves. Chauncey, I want to respect some of your time today. I really appreciate all the questions you've answered. But we got to get to the fun fact at the end of our interview. so People can get to know you a little bit outside of just the crypto world. Um, and that fun fact would be today, the question I'm asking you is, if you were setting off to Mars and could only take one luxury item with you, what would it be? Ooh, okay. That's a good one. Um, one luxury item. And it so, can't, be food or, can't be food or water for anyone listening to this. <laughs> so I'm really tempted here like i'm not going to cheat and say like a smartphone so i can access the internet and look at everything um i i'm very tempted to go with a book of some sort but i think that you know that would probably get old pretty quick in terms mm -hmm. of having a little book i uh, memorize that very fast i think that what i would most miss and want would probably be music so I'd probably go with a Guardians of the Galaxy style answer here and say <laughs> I would want like that old school iPod, you know, just like right. tracks on it and just like load it up with my favorite music and have that with me. I mean, I think <laughs> I think I'd have to go with that. An iPod <laughs> Nano. <laughs> yes, yes. That'd be fantastic. Yeah, well, I, I could see that. that. That definitely that definitely is a smart one because you could also load that with basically as much as you possibly could in terms of the storage. So plenty of music for you. So I guess it's kind of cheating, but you know I'm gonna go. With oh, music I don't think it's answer. cheating. No way. No way. I mean, hey, that's that's in the fair realm of things. I mean, I could I could say I want to bring my Starlink, <laughs> uh, but I guess I wouldn't have the smartphone then. So what would the point be? But uh, Chauncey, thank you again for your time today. Just before we hop off here, where's the best place for people to learn more about Angel Protocol? Follow you on Twitter. Learn more about the project. Just give me the overall rundown of where I should send listeners. Yeah. Um, so uh, Twitter, uh, we do a lot of comms there at Angel Protocol. Uh, we also have a Discord that you can find linked from our Twitter profile there where a lot of the community engagement and discussion goes on. Um, so I'd start to uh, people in those two areas. Perfect. And all of the links will be down in the show notes below. I really appreciate your time today, Chauncey. Once again, really just love the ethos you guys give off, the positive vibes. And I'm looking forward to seeing how Angel Protocol continues to grow, change and uh, mature. Awesome. Thanks so much for having us, Rick. I appreciate it, man.